0: Welcome to Women in Leadership Talk, where you'll hear from successful women who are empowering other women with their stories of adversity, resiliency, and success. And here is your host, Vicki Bradley, founder and CEO of Women in Leadership Empowered. Hello and welcome everyone to the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. So excited for our conversation today. I've got Tanya Geisler here. She is a complete rock star, brilliant woman who is going to have a chat with us about imposter Complex. Tanya, welcome. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. So honored and so delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. You know, we're our audience. You're in for such a treat today. Um, I've known Tanya now, I guess, a couple of years, right? You've done quite a bit of stuff with Women in Leadership Empowered, and um, all of the women who have experienced you have just absolutely loved their learnings. And so we decided that a podcast would be. In order so that we can touch more people and and help them understand imposter complex even more so. But before we jump into all that, because I know everybody's super excited. I want to officially introduce Tanya. Listen, Tanya is seriously, like I said, a rock star. She is a certified leadership coach. She's also a TEDx women's speaker. And maybe she can tell us a little bit later where to find her TEDx talk. She's a writer who teaches leaders how to combat their imposter complex and lead with iconic impact. And that way they get to achieve their ultimate goals, not just those little ones, but the ultimate goals. Her clients include some best-selling authors, heads of industries, MPs, public speakers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and rock star motivators. So she has a very vast clientele base. And so that'll, that'll actually set us off nicely to jump right into you know, talking about imposter complex. So Tanya, thank you for being here. We're, we're just thrilled to get into this today.
1: So happy to be, really, really so happy to be here. And, you know, I love that because I've been doing this work for such a long time, when I hear that bio read back or when I hear your words, I'm just like, yep, yep. That's, look at that. That's all me. That's all the truth. And but there were many, many, many years where I would, you know, have been working with the same folks for a really long time. And it would just like it would creep in and it would say, yeah, but who are you two? And I've got some good tools. And so I'm, I'm delighted and, hon- and honored to be here. And that TEDx talk, I realized that is 10 years old. Oh wow, it is amazing <laughs> it to me, right? It, and actually somebody called it about three years after um it came out. They called it a like it, it, it's a classic. I'm like, really? This is this is how the internet works now? Three years later, it's a classic. Anyway, it that was 2012, and I and I still uphold every single word of it. So oh. they, you can all find that at tawnyguyso.com. It's one of the first things you can see and still Beautiful. Really proud of it.
0: Beautiful. And let's make sure before we wrap up our call today, let's make sure and remind everybody um, where they can find that. Cause I'm sure after they hear our conversation today, they're going to want to dig into that more. Great. Great. Well, let's jump in. So let's, let's talk about how you move from this, you know, ultimately unsatisfying career that you had in advertising to creating your niche as this expert or master in imposter complex. And, you know, I want to make sure we also tap into um, the aspect of joy and how joy is such a core value for you. So maybe just share with us how you've made this transition.
1: Wow. Um, this is one of those, how long is a piece of string kind of things There's so (laughs) much I want to say about all of this. Um, so, you know, I was in advertising for years and years and was generally quite successful. Um, and just really felt like something was missing. It didn't really feel like, you know my capital P purpose um the year my daughter was born my mother also passed uh, and so I was tender age of 32 and just you know recognizing the the vastness of life and how really tender and, and short it is really yeah. you know ultimately yes. when I was 59 when she passed so I kept thinking you know Mary Oliver's what will you do with this one wild and precious life of course and I wasn't and I really didn't think that maybe what I was doing felt like it and so I had this beautiful experience of for a dear friend of mine it's so much easier to attend to other people than it is to <laughs> ourselves and you know well was making her <laughs> own career transition And she was just having, she was really not seeing how she was really showing up in the world. So I convened a group of folks who knew her from different aspects of her life. And we reflected back to her when we had seen her really powerful, when we had been really proud of her, what we wanted to see more of from her. And it was this really beautiful, aspirational kind of experience. And I thought, oh, I want that for myself. (laughs) And from that experience, she ended up discovering coaching. She went from sales into coaching and made this beautiful transition inspired by what we had reflected back to her. Because, of course, she wasn't able to see herself. We just can't. Um, and so as I, as that period, that was the time when my mother passed away, my daughter was born. I was like, ooh, how about me? How are people seeing me? And um, through that experience, I decided to create my own board of my life, which is what, what I called it, like board of your, and then I, other people started asking me for it. So I created this program called board, B-O-A-R-D, of your life, where we would help people to see how they were really showing up and what we wanted more of them, right? So they could really step into the possibility that was available to them. In that process, I discovered that I was actually doing something that I had never heard of before called coaching. And that friend who had done this the sort of the the beta program of it became a coach. So she guided me along the way. And very quickly, I I started working with some, some of those incredible folks that you referenced at the beginning. And there was this through line. It didn't matter if they'd sat on Oprah's couch or if their book had been on the New York Times bestselling list or if they'd sold, you know, $3 million the previous quarter in real estate. They seemed to be incapable of internalizing their success. They would chalk it up to luck, fluke timing, or having somehow managed to convince somebody they were more successful or, or smarter or more capable than they actually were. And I recognized this experience in myself that had, you know, followed me all throughout academics and in my, in my career as an uh, advertising. And then somebody finally named it for me. And they said, oh, that's the imposter complex. So when I was invited to do the TEDx talk and they said, and the theme was what's the, what's the space between what is real and what we imagine Mm. that. And that really became the first time that I started studying it really diligently. Um, And it's just been this like this unending source of fascination um, and excitement for me to continue to pull out these different strands. So, that's how I moved from here to there, ish. I guess, um,
0: yeah. Well, I, I something you just said there, it was like boom, <laughs> as well. Real versus imagined. Mm. So it's that middle point, right? Um, and so, so, so many questions. <laughs> So you shared a little bit about your own personal experience. So when you, when you moved from advertising into coaching, um, you know, how, how did imposter complex impact you personally?
1: As a coach, first of all, um, who are you to help people to figure all of this out when you don't have everything figured out perfectly? Uh, the imposter complex insists upon certainty insists upon certainty and really, really, really upholds perfectionism. So there was that. So who are you? You, you don't have, you don't have, you know, sometimes you you sometimes you're, you're in a daydream and you'll get on the wrong subway. How are you supposed to help people, you know, lead massive teams when you, first, so those, those are the kinds of things um, that would show up. And then also as a business owner, you have to wear so many different hats. So as I developed my my excellence and, and as a coach, it didn't mean that I was an excellent business owner. It didn't mean that I was excellent at marketing or excellent at program design or excellent at operations. So all of these places where we want to be excellent at at there is something there's like a dangling participle or something there. Um, that's where the imposter complex is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Right? It. So Love it's it. in the coaching and it's in the business and it really for me shows up in all of the areas that are deeply meaningful to me. Yeah. The places that I'm continuing to strive and to stretch and where I want to deepen my proficiency. And the integrity piece is always going to make sure that I'm sharpening my tools and making sure that I am getting better in iterating.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So why do you think so many people Suffer from uh, not suffer, that's not the right word. They doubt their abilities and, and potentially feel like a fraud. I mean, I hear this all the time with clients that I'm working with as well. So, where is that coming from? So, I mean, you know, a little like most of the questions,
1: I wish they're shorter, sound bitey answers. The truth is, first of all, I like to attribute the teachers, I think it's really important. Um, the imposter phenomenon is a term that was coined by clinical psychologists. Pauline Clance and Suzanne M's back in 1978. So they were working with high-functioning, high-achieving women um, at Oberlin College and recognized the same thing that I was recognizing and you're recognizing with your own mm-hmm. clients. This, this doesn't matter how successful they are; they would chalk it up to luck, fluke timing, etc., or external factors. Mm-hmm. We know that there is a bioevolutionary. It's part of our bioevolutionary. Um, response to evolve. So we're perpetually, you know, it it actually makes sure that we don't mutate too fast, a little like our fear responses. And it's also part of our fundamental tribal need to belong. Yeah. So if you are, so it's the part of the reason we fear success as much as we fear failure. Now, everything I say here isn't for everyone everything we say isn't for everyone. So, you know, if you don't resonate with fear of success, maybe you resonate with fear of failure or maybe or both, right? So, try try to you know, we're not speaking to everybody. And I also think it's important for me to name I'm a white neurotypical able-bodied woman of middle class means living in North America. So, that's not going to be everybody else's lived experience. So, I think that we run the risk when we say it comes from any you know, one specific place. We're all coming up, coming into this from our own intersections and then from our own conditioning. So it, it definitely, you know, it affects folks who have beautiful values of integrity and proficiency and excellence. And I always say that's the good news, right? Mm -hmm. This matters because of your tribal need to belong because you are relational and want to belong, and because you want to be really good at these things. I think those are excellent. And I think those are leadership qualities that we want other people to have, right? We want to uphold that. But it also is most prevalent and affects people most adversely who have been, who come from marginalized or oppressed groups, or who have been systemically excluded. I think Mm -hmm. it's really important that we name those things. So I often talk about my husband Greg is a white neurotypical able-bodied dude living in North America, right? So he's in, in, in this North American sphere, he's the center of, quote unquote the universe. Mm-hmm. So for every space that we are distance from Greg, <laughs> and I use that with permission, um, by you know race, age, um gender social Mm -hmm. class we are going to have an exacerbated sense of the imposter complex so I think that that's really important too rather than just looking at it being it's it's all you know it's an internal kind of thing because I think we can gaslight people a lot when we say it's just that and just get over it Um, people have actually had experiences where they've been told you don't belong running that company you're the wrong everything yeah. So I think that we've had those experiences as well. And I think oftentimes we don't have enough models of possibility of what is. We, we don't see somebody who looks like us, speaks like us, has the same frames of reference as us. It makes it very hard to to follow into their footsteps or we just, they just haven't existed. So I think there's some of that. And again, I think it's also It's deeply, it's deeply rooted. So for me, my work is about, okay, what are all of the things that are happening concurrently? And then when we know that we're dealing with the imposter complex, what are we going to do about it? Because it's going to try to keep you out of action, doubting your capacity and alone and isolated. And I'm not here for any of that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's the choice, right? It's, it's making that decision that you're not going to, you're not going to listen to that. You're actually going to go look for what are the possibilities and why not me? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of why me, it's why not me? Like Mm -hmm. put yourself out there. I think the other thing that's important to highlight, and we talked about that um, earlier when you and I were speaking, is, you know, having some imposter complex might not affect all aspects of your life. It can be certain aspects of your life and that that's very normal. Like it it can just happen. Right. We wouldn't get out of bed. (laughs)
1: <laughs> in all areas of our life so you can see behind me some some art well that's actually it's actually all of my kids crayons like that last little bag of ziploc bags of crayons and you're like I can't throw this out so I blasted it onto some art oh,
0: but very every very cool
1: piece of, yeah every piece every painting in my house is a painting that I have done with my husband usually okay. over bottle of merlot or something like that so we enjoy creating art I have zero imposter complex when it comes to creating art I do not need to be excellent at that, nor my yoga practice, right? Like, I, it doesn't matter. Right. But for me, I'll say this for myself, in my speaking and my coaching and my parenting and my teaching and my writing, those are the places it's going to come up. Those are the most important aspects of my realm. So every time I stretch myself out of my comfort, that's where it's going to show up. Yeah. It will meet you at the precipice of your expansion. Yeah, that's what it does.
0: Wow. Okay. So I just had goosebumps when you said that. <laughs> and because you asked me earlier, if I ever, um, you know, if I ever come across imposter complex for myself and I said, no, not really. But when you just said that, I'm just thinking, because I'm starting my PhD next week and I was in last night going in getting set up to do my induction. And I was, I was actually experiencing, so I'm like am I crazy? Like, what am I doing? Why? I I haven't been to school in like, you know, 40 years, 30 years. (laughs) I don't even count how many years that I, I I did experience that. And I probably will for a while until I get integrated into the system. And, you know, I know I'm the oldest person in the classroom and all those things that come up. Yes, ma'am. Yes,
1: ma'am. And so when you mentioned earlier what I realized, what I know to be true, and this is my work. Let me just be very clear. My work isn't about eradicating the imposter complex. I don't think that that's actually healthy. It's a little like eradicating fear. Right. If this is part of our tribal need to belong, that means that we are relational. It means that we are being mindful of making sure we don't evolve too quickly. We just need to make different choices. But usually when I meet somebody like you who is very accomplished and doesn't seem to have the same, um, doesn't seem as hooked. What I know to be true is that that's a person who's got good tools because the, as I say all the time, the only dis- difference between you and the person you admire is that they have access to those tools. Yeah. So for you, I'm not coaching or advising or anything because you have your tools, but that point where we are at that precipice of the, of our expansion, we have to look back to our life and look at all the times that we have been here before, yeah. right? You've been yeah. here a thousand times. The first time you parented, the first time you managed, the first time you led a team, the first time you presented, it's all the same thing. It just looks different. And yes, it's bigger and it's this and it's that, but there was still that moment before you leaped and discovered that the party was on the other side of the resistance.
0: Oh, I love and that. That's, that's awesome. what we
1: have to remind ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. I've been here before. So when you probably ask your clients, what have they done? What's their proof of their, of their capacity? And they're like, does mm, my seventh grade science fair project have to do with any of this, this big career transition, yep. you remind them there was a moment before you had done it. And then you jumped and discovered the party was on the other side of the resistance. I
0: love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, so I know you've done tons of work. You do lots of speaking. You, I mean, you know, your TEDx talk, all of these things that you've done and, you know, imposter complex can be very sneaky, how it like Mm -hmm. shows up. So Mm -hmm. maybe, and I know you've developed these 12 lies that imposter complex tells us, maybe you can share a at least a few of those with our audience.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there are, this is part of the place when I get, do you remember, Um. gosh, what's the name? A Beautiful Mind. Yes. Yes. And he sort of like, he sees the, these formula. This is how I see the imposter. It's like, it is a structure. And I can, you know, we, we can touch point any place, Ultimately, it's important that we remember that it will keep you out of action, it will keep you dead in your capacity, and it will keep you alone and isolated. And so it's going to have us believe in 12 specific lives, but it's also going to send us to coping mechanisms to avoid feeling like the imposter. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And right those <laughs> are
1: perfectionism, procrastination, diminishment, comparison, people pleasing and leaky boundaries.
0: One more time, just so our audience really captures that, because that's powerful. And I really think that this is like the, the lies
1: are so tantalizing, but the way that we recognize how it actually impacts us, these behavioral traits, I think that's really, I think that becomes the real opportunity. So it's going to keep us out of action, doubting our capacity and alone and isolated by having us hang out in one of our coping mechanisms, which is to say perfectionism, procrastination, comparison, diminishment, leaky boundaries, or people-pleasing.
0: Wow. Wow. So that's a great um, takeaway for our audience to, to, when do I do that? Why do I do that? You know, when I'm in that perfectionism mode, why, why is that happening? Or if I'm on social media comparing myself to all these other people, what is that doing for me? Right. Or procrastination. Procrastination is a big one. That one comes in so often. It's, you know, again,
1: it's really a ring around the, you know, what we say we want. And and the, the interesting thing is, these behaviors will ping pong off of each other. So again, a little like you know, we don't experience the imposter complex in all aspects of our life. We'd never get out of bed. We also don't experience all of these at the same times. Otherwise we'd never get out of bed or the lies. But the, but the, what gets fascinating is that we go to these behaviors to, to, to not feel like the imposter. So if my perfectionism will save me, my perfectionism will save me from the fact that I fear that I don't belong. Yeah. But when we actually Overwork, overproduce, over-deliver. We look around and we think, wait a minute, why does nobody else have to work so hard or overproduce? Shoot, I don't belong here. Right? So each of these behaviors, if you have um, if you're a people pleaser, right? Oh great, everybody, you use your charm, your likability, everybody loves you, everybody thinks you're fantastic, yay, you belong. And then they give you an opportunity and you go, oh. (laughs) They're <laughs> just giving me this opportunity because they like me, not because I'm deeply skilled, yeah. deeply talented, <laughs> totally and deeply excellent it. at what I do. <laughs> yes. Right? So, yeah. So each one of these will have us coming and going in the in, in, in different ways, of course. So it's really important that we recognize that's what's happening. There, our coping mechanism is part of what's keeping us feeling like the imposter, layered and complex, to be certain.
0: Yeah.
1: But <laughs> I also think it's important that we don't gaslight ourselves and say, stop being a perfectionist, stop being a people pleaser, because those aspects of ourselves are beautiful. Your perfectionism comes from a deep value of excellence. <laughs> you that's know, as exactly. a people, <laughs> right? Like that's a good thing. Um, as a people pleaser, you have a beautiful value of inclusivity, right? You want to make people feel welcome. That's a good thing.
0: If you you're somebody who, com- <laughs> you want to serve others. You want to help them.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as a, um, if you are somebody who who compares a lot, you actually have a really beautiful value of connection. If you're somebody who diminishes, you have a gorgeous value of humility. If you are a procrastinator, like you have a lot of discernment, right? And if you have leaky boundaries, you're really generous. So when we look at it from that framing, remembering that, it, that the self-development space is a $40 billion industry, which is a lot of money invested in making people feel terrible about their very nature,
0: mm.
1: we can look at those those beautiful, the golden shadow of these behaviors and say, that's actually your leadership edge, because that is the world that I want to live in, where leaders are inclusive, where leaders are generous, where they are connecting, where they are, where they prize excellence. That's a good place to be. So I like to try to dial that aspect up and see these are the opportunities. But when the procrastination keeps you out of action, dead in your capacity, alone and isolated, let's get to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So, so many things I heard there, Tanya. Um, I mean, one, I love how you reframed, right? Like, because every time we perceive it as a negative, there is a positive, right? And so it is flipping that switch mentally to look at the possibility, right? Or to look at what's the what's the opposite effect of that? And, and something you said also about integrity, right? I mean, when you are, you know, a people pleaser as an example, and, and if you're not doing that, then you're out of integrity with who you are authentically. And so, you know, understanding, how to flip that switch instead of saying, Oh, it's a bad thing that I'm a people pleaser. I'm always yeah. doing for others. Right. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a, a mm-hmm. servant leader. It's okay to do that. Right. It's just having those boundaries of, mm-hmm. you know, to not completely deplete yourself. That's uh, but I guy love guy. how you you flip that. And so, um, you know, sometimes, Sometimes it's not just about the self-confidence that gets in our way, right? Uh, But it's more of that lack of acceptance of what our abilities are. And Mm. I think that comes in, especially with people who are high achievers or have high expectations of themselves. And so what, what are some things that you would recommend to help those people to really see their value? So
1: a couple of things here, and there's a couple of doorways I could enter into. So I'll just pick that one and say (laughs) that I think it's safe to assume that everybody who's listening right now is a high achiever with those strong values of proficiency and excellence and integrity. And so I talk about, you know, unshakable confidence being iconic as kind of a, kind of a structure in and of itself where integrity, presence and action converge in this Venn diagram. And so I think it's helpful to understand, you know, yes, high achievers, but where are those, where are, how does it show up for you? How does the imposter complex show up for you? And then where do you, like, where do you go to hide? And if you Mm -hmm. go to hide in people pleasing, that usually tells me that there can be a, a crisis of integrity. Crisis is a very big word, but let's just go with it for the moment. And for me, integrity comes down to how are you showing up authentically How are you being loyal to your vision? And, and this is usually the kicker, how are you honoring your word to yourself? Mm. So yes, the people pleasing, we know that we get here because of a beautiful value of inclusivity and let's also face it safety for a lot of folks who've been marginalized or oppressed, making sure that they're part of the collective or the the dominant group is an instrument of safety. Mm -hmm. So but when we find it to be a challenge, am I honoring my word to myself? Am I being loyal to my vision? Am I being authentic? Or am I watering down who I am because of other people's needs and expectations? So that becomes the that person's work. If they are people pleasers, or actually if they have leaky boundaries, paying attention to the integrity, that's their, like that's the homework. If you are somebody who diminishes or compares a lot, that means that there's usually something we're not really rooting into our power. We're not uh, really allowing ourselves to feel supported, and here's the kicker: here, we're not holding ourselves with reverence, mm-hmm. and that's part of how we are dimming our light, or we are we are over identifying with what's happening in other people's landscapes, not paying attention to our own inner landscape. Wow. So that becomes our work is to root back into presence, get get realigned with our power, get realigned with our support, and my goodness, bring in some reverence for ourselves. And then finally, if you find that it's really perfection is a, per- a procrastination that is the quote unquote challenge, then action is where you wanna pay attention. How resilient, how tenacious, are you willing to fail? Those are the places to be looking. So I find those just give us a little bit of an opportunity, but we gotta do- take down the temperature of feeling you know, um, terrible about the fact that we, we co- collude with these behaviors. That's just, that's just our human nature. It's what we do with it to your point that's going to make all the difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And sounds so easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag simple, not easy. All exactly. Days, right? Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I just want to emphasize a couple of things that you shared there. Is like my big takeaway from what you described there is find your psychological safety place, right? Mm-hmm. Where are you feeling safe
1: mm-hmm. and
0: honor yourself? Mm-hmm. Like human nature, we always go outside looking for those external fixes or support. And it's really internally where we, we need to pay attention, right? And, and where are we out of alignment um, so that we can show up in integrity and more fully ourselves yeah, beautifully. Absolutely. I definitely feel like, you
1: know, I, I, I did the ask a question with a question kind of thing or answer a question with a question. You did ask me what those specific lies are. Yeah, so definitely. this is just helpful for people to, to maybe you don't necessarily resonate with procrastination or pr- perfectionism. And, and again, this might not be for you. I, I, I doubt it, but, um, <laughs> but you might hear some of these, these narratives instead. Um you know, your self-doubt is proof of your inadequacy, your inadequacy, pardon me, is that's the first lie, right? Um, the second lie is successful. People don't experience this, right? This is where we like to like keep people distance mm-hmm. from ourselves. Mm-hmm. You are all or nothing. Loves these, you know, you're either a failure or a success. There's nothing in between. Um, you have nothing useful, original or valid to say. And we we believe that lie, lie number four, then we say nothing we pass up opportunities to share to collaborate line number five um don't tell anyone about this don't tell anyone about this experience you know otherwise they're gonna they're gonna find out you don't belong line number six is tell everyone about this right (laughs) um seven you're not ready yet eight it's just a matter of time before this all crumbles beneath you yeah that's a big one that's a huge one right um nine you're never going to be able to pull that off again Oof, that one sort of cut that actually. That's like that's right here for me right now. And just, and some things that are going on. Um, you can't trust the praise of others because they're just being nice. This is really up for us people pleasers. What else do we have? Um, you're going to have to fake it till you make it. That one gets me into so much hot water. I cannot even tell you. I cannot even tell you. Because again, I understand, like, I absolutely fundamentally understand that we can borrow against confidence. We, we can't get ourselves into the door. But I think what has been historically more powerful is to root into the truth about your capacity, your strengths, your values, and your experience. And then when we root into that, then we don't collude with that imposterhood feeling um that really can just come back and bite us on the other end of it too. Absolutely and then fine so sorry and then finally the last one is asking for help is for the weak which again keeps us alone and isolated. But the one piece of good news is that there is always room for improvement.
0: Yes, exactly, for everyone. For everyone. <laughs> and, if, and if you think there's not then that's a whole different set of <laughs> That's called the
1: Dunning-Kruger effect. And that's for another day.
0: (laughs) That is for another day. Wow. So, so much great information. You and I could speak for like, we could go on for hours here, Um, but we are going to be respectful of everyone's time. I want to make sure, because I know you have this great quiz that people can take. Mm. So why don't you take just you know, 30 seconds yeah. tell them where to find the quiz and what the quiz is going to tell them yeah. um, and and that way we can you know give people a little more information.
1: Yeah. So the quiz is really about helping you to discern which of those behavioral traits is the one that tends to trip you up and then what to do about it. So it offers you a, a, a different framework and an identity to work with that has been the thing that you have been avoiding but I'm going to show you how it's just a huge opportunity for you awesome yeah awesome and, and we can cons- find that at tanya you can find me on instagram um tanya geisler and then my link in the bio you'll find the quiz there first thing you'll see at my site is the quiz do it do it do it it's really it's really fascinating
0: yes and it, it i mean just opens up new doors right yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Tanya, thank you so, so much for being here with us today. This has been terrific. And as I said, we could spend hours talking about this. Mm -hmm. Um, Super grateful to you for sharing your expertise. And this is, I mean, this topic comes up all the time. And so I, my hopes is that, you know, our audience that's listening, you'll take away a couple of nuggets and and realize that it's normal to have imposter complex. And don't forget to reframe it. So when something shows up for you, how do you reframe that into something that serves you better um, and and help you to be more in alignment with who you actually, who you are and who you're meant to be. Um, So mm, super grateful, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you and I want to thank our audience audience. Thank you so much for being here. We know you have a choice as to what podcast you listen to, and we're grateful that you support women in leadership talk. Um, And so we hope to see you again on our next podcast. And just as a reminder, when you brought up um, fake it until you make it, we actually had a podcast a couple of uh, episodes ago. I don't remember exactly the, which number it was, but it was about, not faking it. <laughs> and it's very interesting, right? Like it really being true to your core. So you're, you're bringing up some incredible, incredible points that, you know, can help stretch us and, and help us with that expansion. And, and thank you for reminding me that I'm at that place that I'm just expanding myself and to breathe into it and take it on. And, you know, whatever comes to me is what, what's meant to come to me. (laughs) What
1: an exciting time. What an exciting time. I would actually love to hear what your result is from the quiz too. I have my suspicions, but we can talk about that (laughs) another time, but congratulations on this big, huge, gorgeous um, step into your expansion. It's really exciting to see.
0: Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you everyone for joining us. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Okay. Take care. Thank you for joining us for Will Talk, sponsored by Women in Leadership Empowered. To learn more about our programs, please visit www.willempowered.com. We look forward to seeing you in our community.